Thank you very much. Uh, this is Overnight. So we're with Rod Quinn. We've got David Kilby talking about the late Tom Springfield pretty soon. But before we then get to that, it's Celeste Katzmaster in Boston. Celeste, good morning. Good morning. How are things in Boston? Do you get kind of the tail end of hurricanes and, and that sort of stuff? We might get a little bit uh, of uh, an impact, but certainly nothing, nothing like what they're experiencing in Florida, which is truly terrifying. I think the last really bad hurricane that I remember being in personally was probably Hurricane Sandy back in uh, 2012. I was in New York City at the time, and that was a, a real disaster. But uh, this is uh, you know, millions of people out of power, people stranded, airports closed, uh, huge flooding, just terrifying, terrifying stuff. You know, I know that a lot of people live on that Gulf Coast area and in Florida and then around to you know Mississippi and places like that, but they shouldn't live there. I mean, I know that it's, it's too we've too far down the track to change it now, but it's just they get hit by hurricanes every year, and it's just about whether it's how strong it is, you know, the, the, how bad the damage is, isn't it? Well, I think there's there's a couple of things going on there. One is whether or not people are building or allowed to build in these sort of extreme flood zones. Um, I mean, look, it's a tropical climate. It's a tropical environment. They are going to have storms. They are nobody's immune in Florida from from heavy rain and wind. That's just part of living in that in that particular area. But people who live right on the coastline, people who um, have not built or built back. Um, with reinforcements for uh, storm surge and things like that, yeah, there's there's trouble there. 150 mile an hour winds. Now, this, I presume, is what they were talking about, what they were telling us about when they said that, you know, these weather events will become more intense because of climate change. And here's a classic example. Um, I'm sure the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, he's, he's someone who's very concerned about climate change, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he's a he's a, a true believer in in the uh, power of climate change. Uh, you know, certainly he's a conservative Republican. There's a lot of rhetoric going around. We've seen some stories about how he and President Biden, who typically are not the best of buddies, have sort of dialed back the rhetoric uh, in the middle of dealing with this, which has been variously described as a hundred year or even a five hundred year storm. We had uh, two hundred year floods within a month. Uh of each other earlier in the year. So, you know, what's to stop uh, that happening again? But um, what are they doing? To I mean, there's nothing you can really do until it's all over, until it blows itself out. Isn't that the case? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they've tried to encourage people to evacuate or to shelter in place. And you've seen this and we've seen this here many times. There are just always people who don't want to leave, who refuse to leave. They think they'll have nothing to come back to. Uh, and, you know, I guess in some cases it's a personal choice. Even if there's a mandatory evacuation, they can't necessarily make sure that every single person leaves every single zone. Um, but, you know, they have to they have to think ahead if these kinds of major storms, century or 500 year storms are coming more frequently then, as you say, maybe people do have to reconsider where they live, how they live, how they build uh, and, you know, I just I wouldn't be wanting to get insurance on a, on a home exactly. on the coastline today, at least. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Not only that, but Ron DeSantis was what last week pulling this idiotic stunt of sending some 
migrants or refugees or whatever you want to call them uh, who actually were in Texas, not in um, Florida, to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Shouldn't he have been more concerned about you know the hurricane season and what might be happening to his state in the future, in the very near future? Well, I'm not sure that those two things are exactly related. I mean, should he be spending his time as governor of Florida worrying about sending migrants from Texas to Massachusetts, you know, arguably there are other things he could be doing. I mean, does he have control over the weather? No. Um, I don't think he's quite that powerful. No, but, but he can have control over preparations to deal with it by getting, you know, uh, centres in place where people can be evacuated or building up water supplies or food and all that sort of stuff. He could have been doing that rather than trying to send some migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Well, I think that 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 was certainly a, a matter of political posturing. It's not quite clear why he felt the need to get involved. I mean, yeah, he's making a statement maybe about um, border control or about migrants entering the United States, but they weren't in Florida. He's the governor of Florida. It's, you know, it's a legitimate question. Like, why is this his business? Mm. By the way, question without notice. This comes from Glenn in Perth. And I know sports, not your beat, as it were. Can you please ask Celeste about the Boston Celtics head coach being suspended for the NBA season? What did he do wrong? That that was, and again, you're very, very right, that I don't know a lot about sports. I don't watch a lot of sports, or at least, well, sometimes I watch Formula One. Oh, really? Um, but, wow. You're <laughs> yeah, one of the few yeah, people we, in America that does that. Well, I don't know. There was this documentary series about Formula One that we watched and we started to know uh, oh. more of the drivers and of the teams and, and got kind of interested in it. So so that, oh. that's that been kind of fun. But the Celtics, basically, I think that was a misconduct case. Yes. There was something about um, the the head coach had been involved in what I believe was a consensual affair. Please correct me if I'm going down the, the wrong road here. And so there was a, a, a suspension or removal associated okay. with that. But yeah, a lot of people are sort of wondering uh, what the heck that was about and you know yeah. I don't believe it had anything particularly to do with his coaching abilities no because he got them to the finals I think last year they I think looked like they were going to win but then they didn't let's talk though about vaccines and before people say oh not again about COVID it's got nothing to do with COVID but it's an interesting thing isn't it that rabies is a problem now I don't think rabies is a problem in Australia but for some reason it might be a problem in America, but it's also one of those things that only becomes a problem when a politician gets directly involved. <laughs> uh, I mean, this may be a concern, but uh, this representative, who's a Democrat from California, you know, until it got quite literally to the pointy end, I'm sure he didn't think too much about rabies. What happened? Right. So as if we haven't had enough problems at the United States Capitol recently, there was this incident where uh, this congressman, who I believe is also a physician, um, got bitten by a fox hmm. on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. He felt something on his leg. I think he, he thought it was a dog or something, and it was a fox. And other people ended up seeing this fox running around the Capitol grounds. Some people might have even been injured. But the point that he's trying to make with the legislation is that rabies um, can be a fatal disease, a terrible disease, but it is preventable if you get vaccinated, if you get treated right away or very quickly. But it's a lot of money. It can cost thousands and thousands of dollars 
um, especially if you don't have insurance, um, you know, but treating uh, treating rabies with vaccine can cost as much as like sixty five hundred dollars. And so he's trying to make a point that, you know, we should set up a program for people to receive this treatment if they don't have insurance. And I actually looked this up and I believe in Australia, if you do need the rabies vaccine, you can get it for free. Yes, of course. Uh, That's the Australian but, healthcare system. Right. Well, the U.S. healthcare system does not provide for free rabies vaccine, which is, uh, I think the treatment is reputedly quite painful, but uh -uh. rabies also quite Yes. Painful. I mean, what would be more painful, the you know, treatment or the cure or the prevention or the cure? The question is, though, I, I would think that people in rural areas would be more likely to need this vaccine, therefore it might even be more expensive there. I don't think anyone walking around a city like Washington, D.C., especially on the grounds of the capital, would think, yeah, I need a rabies vaccine. That's just not on their mind, is it? Well, typically, no. And actually, I am headed to Washington in a few days for a conference. I urge you, please I, I... get a rabies vaccine. <laughs> Maybe maybe the people at the conference need to be vaccinated against me. Who knows? Maybe mm. I'm I'm kind of You're not going to go rabid. around and bite them on the leg, though, are you? That is not the plan. Okay, that good. is not you the never plan. Know. That may, everyone starts out with a plan, and then uh, something <laughs> weird happens. Um, yes. Yeah, so I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, people don't expect to be bitten by a rabid fox. Right. And certainly not. And certainly not a congressman or, for that matter, a reporter or somebody walking around on the grounds at the U.S. Capitol. And I think to your point, yeah, you would think that mostly rural, uh, you know, people who live in rural areas or maybe people who are hunting, people around animals might be more exposed to this. But um, speaking to you from Boston or, you know, immediately outside Boston, where we have a coyote problem a big like visible oh coyote God. problem um I, i'm not saying that there's a rash of of incidences of rabies but yeah wild animals you know being displaced maybe by uh construction by encroachment by humans by destruction of their habitats uh you know attracted by easy food and shelter yeah. water whatever it may be but people are coming into contact with animals in a different way and different people are coming into contact with animals in a different way than maybe they did uh, decades ago or a hundred years ago. And, you know, it's things like this vaccination and precautions maybe haven't quite caught up with that. I love this. The Affordable Rabies Treatment for Uninsured Act would establish a program to reimburse healthcare providers for this PEP. So 60,000 people receive the PEP each year. Uh, so it's a, it's a problem, isn't it? A rabies bite. I can imagine there'd be plenty of people being bitten by rabid dogs or Foxes, God knows uh, what else. Right, and we, yeah. you know, you you preventatively vaccinate uh, dogs and and so on, but uh, you're certainly not out there vaccinating every wild animal that you might come in contact with. And it's not just scary foxes. I can't believe we're even talking about foxes attacking congressmen on the Capitol Hill. Well, but, they you obviously know, knew it was a congressman. The thing was, why <laughs> didn't it attack? You know, some of the. You know, why wasn't it a more bipartisan bite? Uh, it was uh, just one Democrat because it ran well, off in the uh, the direction of the of the uh, the Senate. So it could have right, been well, Mitch McConnell. Maybe that's the, the, you know, with the bicameral system. Maybe it started with the House and then it go. moves on to the Senate. I got news for you. David, who's on, you know, he's onto these things. He says five people in the U.S. died from rabies last year, the highest number in a decade. So five, while a tragedy... 
does not seem to be a large amount of people, large number of people. Right. But it's one of these things where you can, uh, you know, this this PEP that you're talking about means post-exposure prophylaxis, means if you get the shot, if you get bitten or exposed and you get the shot, you won't get rabies. If you leave it alone, you might get rabies, you will get rabies. I'm sure it varies and so on. But I mean, if it's a a potentially fatal and painful disease Mm -hmm. and you can give somebody a shot or a series of shots to avoid it, like if people are getting bitten by snakes or something, you wouldn't say like, well, anti-venom kind of expensive. I don't know. Do yeah. you have insurance? You know, it's and people might be coming into contact with, you know, other animals besides foxes carry it. I think bats carry rabies, uh-huh. uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I think the point generally is that we can do something about it. And if people can be um, protected from or or insulated against getting this horrible disease, and it's an issue of how much it costs, that's the thing that they're kind of trying to think about here. John and Coburg suggesting uh, squirrels as well. Mm. What about this, though? Quite seriously, we talked about the great Australian healthcare system, but not everybody agrees, Celeste. One of our texters, okay. who has not re- revealed their name, says, you left out a word. That's the Australian communist health care system of course that's a curious that yeah <laughs> I, I, I wasn't aware that the you know providing universal free health care was communist but you know like uh, i wonder whether that person if they were bitten by a uh, a rabid dog for example would think yeah you know what i'll take my chances with a non-communist system anyway uh <laughs> You know, you can't please anyone. And I'll say this before I'll say it again. I never thought I'd live in a country that complained about getting a public holiday. But we did. Can you believe it? We got an extra public holiday and people complained. It's got nothing to do with rabid dogs or rabid foxes. Um, here we go. Here is something. that this, is, this should be the number one story, and that is a possible beer shortage is looming in the United States. The question is, why is that the case? And a lot of people may be surprised at this answer. Yeah, it's actually uh, there. There have been some supply chain issues with with getting food and drink products out during the pandemic and around the pandemic, and everybody knows that. But in the case of beer, the problem is carbon dioxide. The what puts we the don't bubbles have enough in your beer. Right. There's a shortage of carbon dioxide. And one of the reasons uh, in the case of the United States is actually there's a a production site for carbon dioxide or a well for carbon dioxide at this extinct or burned out volcano in Mississippi Hmm. called Jackson Dome. And they've been trying to drill some new wells to get at carbon dioxide, but there's been apparently some contamination problems. And so that hasn't helped uh, alleviate some of the supply pressures. So I'm certainly not advocating a run on beer or a run on anything. But if people notice that some, uh, you know, some of their favorite brands, maybe microbrewers, smaller brands, I mean, huge companies can usually get the components. But I know my husband uh, enjoys periodically one of these like extremely small microbrewery sort of specialty. Yeah. yeah, craft beers, exactly. And he mentioned actually that um one of the uh one of the ones he likes, one of the brands he likes apparently has had a a problem, uh production problem because of this carbon dioxide shortage. So I mean well I mean this sounds serious. Will the government step in? That because is Joe a good Biden question. doesn't drink beer, does he? 
as I recall. Remember they had that beer summit and he, he had to drink right. fake beer? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's much of a drinker, but I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're not going to put like the defense production act into oh, into, come on. into don't, full, what about tapping into the strategic over? beer reserves? Well, you know, that's that's a, a question or maybe you know some of the you know whatever the the beer equivalent is of like OPEC, maybe we can have some sort of <laughs> heightened negotiations or or something like that. But uh, you know, there yeah. there are the big companies. I think have some sort of an advantage here, and uh, the the smaller guys may just have to to tough it out, and their customers too. Yeah, the problem is, and I think most people in Australia would agree with me, is. American beer, I'm not talking about the little craft, the microbreweries, we're not talking about that. American beer is generally undrinkable. Uh, I don't want to name any particular brands and I don't wish to offend our American cousins, but compared with an Australian beer, it really is dreadful. Really. Oh, my God, it's too <laughs> So I have if, to admit, I'm not a huge beer drinker. So I am. I am also. See, I'm not that into sports. I'm not that into beer. Uh, you know, I'm sort of. A, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm. I'm some sort of wine sipping. Oh, latte sipping inner city <laughs> elite, Celeste. Uh, you better not come to Australia. That's all I can say. Oh, lattes are all over. It's. Haven't. Have, oh, have you heard of the flat white? It's all the rage in the United States. <laughs> Celeste, please. <laughs> Considering Australia practically invented the flat white and it was our I know, national but drink. This is a Finally huge thing in the United up. States. Uh, really? <laughs> Why? What's happened? Why, how did this happen? Oh, that there are shops specializing oh in this. I mean, it, you know, where, where I have Started my place by Australians, in no doubt. Yeah, well, but it's it's the thing. It is the thing. It used to be espresso, or it was lattes, or it was this. The flat white is now the the sort of king of coffees in the United States for people who really know what they're talking about. That sort of thing. It's 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 definitely sort of a rage here. Unbelievable. Well, I mean, every know, Australian we, that ever goes there, I know, it. but I mean, every Australian that ever went to America. So, you know, they could never find a flat white. So I'm glad that they're able to do that. I've never drunk uh, coffee in my life, so it's hard to know. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Uh, and finally, oh, gee, you know, it's one of those laws that I can see both sides of it, but it always seems very unfair. We're talking about an anti-begging law, which is to stop, you know, People, if you're stopped in traffic or whatever, people coming over and asking for money or whatever. Um, why is it happening? I mean, how bad is the situation? This is in uh, Framingham, uh, which is not far from Boston. Right. Well, Framingham is sort of one of the most recent places in, in Massachusetts that's tried to deal with this. And many communities have tried to do with this. Uh, in in one way or another, and they're having a problem with it. Uh, this specifically has to do with when you're stopped at a traffic light or at an intersection or something like this, and there's somebody walking along in the road between the cars asking people for money. And so they are trying to limit this by making it uh, illegal to walk along uh, and get within, say, like five feet of a car or walk on an island or a median if there's something else you can do, like walk on a sidewalk. Um, and they've tried to stop these panhandling uh behaviors, specifically aggressive panhandling, uh, in lots of places. And they've run into um, difficulty because uh, some of the laws have been struck down on the grounds that panhandling is a uh, an exercise of the First Amendment. 
that people are allowed to ask for money in a public place. You can do that. And so people are trying to figure out a way to do this. So they were trying to make it you know, more specific having to do with walking um, into traffic or uh, around traffic. But the answer is to find people. And I'm kind of wondering, yeah. like, That's if you're the out there asking people for I a know. buck, how are you going to pay a $300 fine? It's ridiculous. I understand both sides. I really do. But um, these are the most vulnerable people in our society, and they need to be protected rather than perhaps people driving past them in cars, nevertheless. Uh, Kate in Normanhurst says, sorry to be pedantic. And once again, I'll say, Kate, don't worry about being pedantic. This show is the home of pedantry. Um, the flat white was invented in New Zealand, says Kate. Well, that may be the case oh. because we tend to claim anything uh, invented in New Zealand, uh, we claim it for Australia. But uh, I appreciate that, Kate. Thank you very much. And Latif in West, West Brunswick says, as soon as you're bitten as a prevention, you get a tetanus injection. I got it in the past after a dog bite. There you go. Well, I, I, you know, it's unlikely that the dog in Australia would have rabies, but you wouldn't want to know, would you? There you go. I would not. I mean, I, I have I have a dog and uh, yeah. get him vaccinated. But yeah, it's uh, oh. it, it's not something you want to experience just for the fun of it. Okay. By the way, the next big coffee uh, craze will be the magic. It is made with two shots of the first half of the espresso, the bit that has all the flavor and caffeine and topped up to make a flat white. There you go. You can be ahead of the curve, Celeste. Thank you. Hmm. Hey, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always a pleasure to talk to you soon. That is Celeste Katmarston in Boston, Massachusetts.